You're listening to Market Scale Science. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I'm joined by the now official co host, Hunter Gabbard. He's a PhD candidate from the University of Glasgow, and he is a part of the LIGO collaboration. Hunter, how are you today? I'm doing good, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. So I was looking through the contract that may or may not exist. This is your third time having a conversation with me. Legally, you're now a co-host. How do you feel about that? Oh, man, I think I should get like a retainer or something, right? I think that should. Uh... <laughs> uh, I think you're going into a tunnel. You're, bra- you're breaking up. I, oh, I lost him. Well, um, <laughs> you know what? I'll pass that on to the I'll pass that on to the higher. I almost believed you. <laughs> I'm really gullible. No, I don't think so. I think you were just focused on more important things than my silliness. So here's what I want to cover today. In in, a, in the last conversation we had, we talked briefly about black holes. We didn't get into it in as depth as, as I know that you would like to, and I definitely want to today. So, you know, we mentioned the recent passing of Stephen Hawking. And um, right. Professor Hawking had a, a theory, an idea of the Hawking-Beckenstein radiation or Hawking-Seldovich radiation, depending on how you look at it, but basically Hawking radiation. And that is theoretically the only thing that can escape the gravity of a black hole. So before we get to the possibility of that, I want to talk about the makeup of a black hole and things that are around it, specifically energy. I want to talk about energy. So sound is energy and light is energy. Right. They have in common that they have wavelength, frequency, and amplitude, but they're drastically different because sound has to move through a medium, whereas light does not move through a medium. You mentioned being able to hear or track a sound and determine that that was a black hole. Mm. That doesn't mean that sound waves can escape from a black hole, does it? No, no. So it's it's uh, you can it, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit confusing. Um, so you can I said you can kind of you can hear uh, a black hole in, in the form of gravitational waves, um, but it's not necessarily it's like they they don't produce sound waves necessarily. But they but what you can do is when you detect these these gravitational waves, which you know uh, when you when you when you look at them, the data it looks very very similar. Right to a to a sound wave. We you see them at like particular frequencies and stuff, which is kind of you can look at sound in different frequencies and whatnot. It's like um, when you you know like the Doppler effect. So so when you're like standing like say on a road and you see like a, a car coming towards you and you see that like you know it sort of gets like like that and then it goes and as it goes away from you, it sort of you, you hear this like it kind of dying away, right? It's because it sort of it's it's the the sound waves are sort of compressing as they get closer and closer to you and then they're sort of expanding as they as it goes further away from you, um, so it's similar to that. Like a gravitational wave is sort of, it's you, you can you can you can listen to them, and uh, which is kind of kind of neat. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, so yeah. That, that's what that's sort of what I mean when you can when you can try to listen to these things. Okay, so Doppler effect is very dependent on perspective. Could mm. that be similar? when it comes to black holes, like where we are in relationship to a black hole, I mean, does like a black hole have a front and a back or a, a left and a right or. Yeah. So they're very, uh, they're very, very weird um, objects. And uh, I guess to sort of try to describe, um, cause it, it doesn't, they don't really have a, a, a front and a back or the side. It, it's sort of like this, it, it's just, it's just a region in space time. It's, it's very strange. So I guess to trying to try to explain that um, maybe I should try and explain 
a little bit about how these how these things sort of work. Um, uh, they're they're really cool. Uh, they they came about. Um, so they they were sort of thought up actually uh, before before Einstein. There is uh, uh, this guy. I don't remember his name now. Um, but thought these things up uh, in the and I think it was in the 1700s or something. Um, but there wasn't any real rigorous um, proofs and stuff done on this until um, Einstein and a few others um, when he came out his theory of general relativity, um, in which in his theory it sort of predicts these things called called black holes. So what so what are black holes? Um, so they they actually they're, they're the result of a, of a death of a very 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 large uh, super massive star that sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's very, um, it, 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 it's kind of fast and furious. It lives its life, uh, kind of on the edge and, um, they're very, very large, but they, what, because they're very large, they, they suck up a bunch of energy really quickly. Um, and so what happens throughout the star's life is that inside the star, there's all this, it, there's all these particles and stuff that they're, they're fusing together. And each time they fuse, they sort of create a bunch of energy. And which is sort of pushing pushing outwards in the star, but at the same time, it's it's fighting like this epic battle with with gravity that's always trying to just to crush it back down, sort of you know push it back down. Um, but what happens at the end of a, a star's life, if it's if it's big enough, uh, what will happen is that it will it will eventually it'll just run out of a run out of stuff to fuse together. Because um, what happens is it'll it'll keep fusing heavier and heavier elements, so it'll start out like hydrogen. Um, and you get a big like bang for your buck in terms of fusing different fusing hydrogens together. But then what happens is a run of hydrogen, and it'll be left over with helium, and you get less of a bang for your buck. It's kind of like diminishing returns, right? So as you if you go further on down the line, as you get heavier and heavier elements, you finally get this to iron, which is pretty inert and kind of is very stable. And you don't really that's that's the element at which like you just don't get any more energy out of it. So you start losing energy at that point. And it's like, oh well, what do I do now? So what happens is it starts losing energy, and so it'll actually kind of it'll it'll it, it, gravity starts to win, and it'll start to collapse the core of the star, and it'll it'll collapse really quickly, and it'll get really really dense and super hot. I mean, incredibly dense. Um, there, there's no there's no lab there aren't really any laboratories on Earth where you can get this kind of density. Um, and what will happen is you'll just be left over with a bunch of bunch of neutrons. So all these protons, electrons will sort of fuse together, and you, you the protons like positive, neutrons negative. So kind of like do some math and it kind of cancels out. So you get, sort of get a neutron. Um, so you get a bunch of neutrons in the core and then all the other stuff around the star will then sort of collapse and then bust back out and explode. And something called a neutron and, and start, something called a supernova explosion. One of the most massive cataclysmic explosions in the known universe. I mean, these are, these are, these are crazy. It's a crazy amount of energy that's, um, that's thrown off these things all at once. Um, and it'll actually outshine the entire galaxy that it, that it resides in. I mean, that's how, that's how energetic these sort of events are. Um, but what you're left over with is this core, this, this sort of tiny little core called a neutron star, which is incredibly dense, They're really, really crazy, weird things. Um, and there's just one teaspoon of this, of this neutron star matter weighs about as much as like Mount Everest, Mount Everest, right? Uh, so that's just uh, it's kind of uh, mind-boggling, but if you have a star that's big enough, what will happen is it will just keep collapsing, it, and it will just uh, all the rest of its mass will just keep collapsing in on itself until it comes to this like infinitely dense, infinitely small point that we call a singularity. Which, is, if you can imagine, it's like it's like this just this point in space-time where there's just infinite density, um, infinitely small space. Um, 
but it's like it's just it's just weird. It's just, it's basically just you can think of like a region in space time that's just it's like it's sort of been punched through this fabric. Um, and what will happen is there's this region around it, what we call the event horizon, uh, where nothing, not even not even light, uh, can escape it. Um, but it, it isn't. It's not really that it has a sort of a front and a back. It's just this. It's just this region. You can imagine it. It's really hard to think about. Um, but if you imagine like space is like this three dimensional sort of tarp. It's like this just a really really deep 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 well in this tarp. Um, where if you like if you're going over like a waterfall, it's like the point at which you can't you can't get out. You can't swim fast enough to get get away from it before you fall over the edge. When we we say black hole, and that term originally was coined by uh, the American theoretical physicist John Wheeler, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so we called it a black hole. When we think of a hole as a flat sort of two dimensional mm-hmm. lack of something, you know, a hole in a in a in a tarp, the mm-hmm. laws of physics usually right. force things into a spherical shape is there a chance that a black hole could be a ball if we could see the other side of it so yeah it's it's yeah it's um it's an interesting question it's um so what happens is um so what 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 happens when you go through a black hole it's kind of it's kind of weird um so the best way to try to imagine what happens when if you were going to try and do this um is say let's say you brought a buddy with you a friend of yours to go with you and explore this this question. <laughs> Actually, let's say let's not say it's a friend. It's because something really nasty is going to happen to your friend. Um, somebody you don't really like. Um, you bring bring them along, and um, what you're going to do is you're going to watch your friend go into the black hole and figure out what's going on inside. Right. Um, so you, you you push your your acquaintance friend towards the black hole, and what you what you see is as they get as they get closer and closer from your perspective, it's really really strange. You see them. Uh, you see, you see them get closer and closer. But what happens is, is time like sort of, sort of slows down for them, which is really weird because because black holes sort of they bend and stretch space time, right? So the closer and closer your friend gets to the edge of the black hole, the slower and slower he seems to get until at one point he gets so close when he gets right to the edge or at the event horizon, right up to the edge, um, he just sort of freezes in time. Right. That's, that's weird. Um, and then what you see is he'll just be frozen on the surface of the black hole. And then eventually what will happen is he'll actually, he'll turn red, he'll redshift. So he'll turn red and they'll just disappear. Right. Um, which is just weird. Um, but, uh, if you're, but what happens if you're that friend, that unfortunate person that gets thrown into the black hole, what you'll see is very, very different. Um, time will actually, as you get closer and closer to the black hole, time will sort of speed up around you you almost as you get closer and closer and you get really right up to the the edge of the event horizon basically the whole future of the universe will will pass by you in an instant um and then you'll you'll once you pass through the event horizon um nobody really knows uh what goes on it's really dependent upon like how big the black hole is if it's like a it's just kind of counterintuitive but if it's a smaller black hole what will happen is is it'll actually sort of spaghettify you it'll stretch you out so one, the the part of you that's like you know your toes will sort of start traveling faster than the part that's near your head, and so you get stretch out and spaghettified into this like single atom wide like uh, string of plasma that eventually goes through the black hole. Not every fun experience, um, but if you're like going to like a super massive black hole, like say one of the ones that you have at the center of every 
almost every single galaxy in the universe, they're like hundreds of millions or even billions of times the mass of our sun. What, nothing will happen to you. You'll just pass, you'll pass straight on through the event horizon unscathed. Um, now what happens when you get towards the, the singularity is a bit, is a bit more, uh, a bit more interesting. Um, but yeah, they're just very, very strange objects. As a means of eliminating an enemy, it seems as if we can chalk up use of a black hole <laughs> to be maybe a last resort because it seems like there would be an awful lot of planning that would have to be involved in order to get that person to the black hole. <laughs> You'd have to really, really have a real serious dislike of that person in order to want to use that method to erase them. Yeah, no, really. I mean, well, see, that's a good question. Um, do you actually erase them? Because like that—that's that's a huge question. In physics is like, do, do is is black? Do black holes just sort of erase information? Because um, if something falls in and nothing comes out, uh, where's all the information go? I and mean, you can't just you can't just lose information. That's just not it's just not allowed in physics. Um, but like you said before, you mentioned um, Hawking radiation. I remember at the beginning. Right. Um, and this is maybe one of the mechanisms by which like this could be done, that you could get back that information. The way Hawking radiation works is it actually has a lot – it has to do a lot to do with quantum mechanics because black holes are also – they're sort of quantum mechanical beasts too. They're, they're a mix of both general relativity and quantum mechanics. And um, so that makes them very interesting. So what happens is like with Hawking radiation on a black hole, you got on, on the edge of a black hole – um, and you go down and you look at like, you know, sort of on a very, very small level at this edge, what you'd expect to see if you're, you know, if you, what you just intuitively expect to see, right? It's just nothing. If you just, if you look at, if you're in the middle of nowhere, you're, you're near a black hole, there's nothing around it. You expect, you would expect intuitively, right? To see nothing there. If you go really to really, really tiny, 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 tiny scales. Um, but what you actually see is like the sort of quantum foam like thing where we see particles popping in and in and out of existence from, from, from seemingly nothing. Um, it's crazy. Uh, and so how, the, how this works is that you say you have like a, a particle antiparticle pair that will just pop out of nothing. And then what they'll do is they'll, they'll annihilate each other immediately thereafter, but that's okay because you can imagine like, say you want to keep like sort of, um, um, let's see if you were, if you're in like a bathtub or something and you wanted to make sure that the bathtub, the water level in the bathtub was, was complete level all the time. Um, one thing that you could do to sort of trick that water level is you, you, you see you dump some, some water in from like a bucket and then you, you scoop that water back out from the, with that same bucket that you just dumped the, the extra water into the bathtub. It's like that. You just, you just made a, a you know, a particle and an anti version of, of itself. They sort of cancel each other out on the whole, you know, grand scheme of things. So that's okay. That's allowable. You can make these particles out of nothing, but then they annihilate each other and it's fine. But what happens is if you had, if, if this occurs right on the edge of the a black hole, what could happen is that one of these particle pairs, one, one, of the, one of these particles from this pair will like fall into the black hole and the other one will fly back out. And so what will happen is that you actually – the black hole sort of emits these, these, this, this radiation of particles is called like Hawking radiation, which is sort of theoretically, maybe this is how you, you give back the information that it sucked, that it, that it took in. Um, so we, we don't, we don't really, we're not quite sure, but yeah. What I find really interesting about that is the way that a black hole ceases to exist 
is it does what you just said. It gives back everything. Um, I believe that it is called black hole evaporation. Yeah, it takes a really long time. Which is totally yeah. mind-bending. Totally mind-bending that something that nothing can escape from gives up and says, here you go. And it just gives it back voluntarily. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's also interesting is that like um, – so it takes a very long time for them to do this, to evaporate completely. I mean, billions and billions of years for this to happen. So, I mean, at the um, at the end of everything, when, you know, the universe has been sort of expanding and, and almost ripped apart, all that will really be left over are these, are these black holes that have been just radiating away for billions and billions of years. Um, so that, that could be the last thing that, that sticks around in the universe. I wanted to talk about one last thing today. And my last point for today's conversation mm. is, as a scientist, as a researcher, you can either prove that something is true or prove that something is at least not something else. So you can exclude a thing from a list of possible things that it could be. Yeah, yeah. Is one of those more fulfilling than the other? Like proving that something is something definitively means also the end of that line of thought. Proving that something is not one thing out of a list of things it could possibly be still leaves you more investigation to do. How do you feel about those two things? Yeah, I think it's um, it certainly you get more you get more praise, I suppose, if you uh, if you're able to prove something, and it's a nice like catchy sort of thing that. Um, looks really good in a, in a newspaper headline, right? Um, but yeah, I think it's. I think it, I think though it is more satisfying to be able to exclude things and try to to try and constrain something to a to a more because it's sort of like your your ch real research is not just like oh you know, you're sitting down and you 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 think up something and it just comes to you. It's it's sort of like you're chipping away at this at this block of granite, right? And then eventually at the end you want to see you want to try to unveil whatever it is that's, that's below that block, right? It's like, you know, what Michael Angio, um used to do. But it's, it's sort of like that. You're just chipping away. You're chipping away, chipping away. And it's very, very, it can be really laborious and long and it takes years and years and years to, to get good at it. Um, but I think it's that long sort of process of, of excluding things out and, and doing it at a very measured and slow sort of pace. And sometimes maybe you might find some, like come across some great uh, discovery. Um, but I think you. I think to be a good researcher, you need to also be in it for the long haul, right? Well, and you mentioned Michelangelo, and that's what I want to end with today. That Michelangelo is quoted as saying, "Quote: The sculpture is already complete within the marble block before I start my work. It's already there. I just have to chisel away the parts of it that are superfluous." Yeah, it's beautiful. Right? And that's kind of what you do. You chisel away at an idea. And you chisel away, no, this is not a – it's not a pogo stick. No, it's not a koala. Yeah. And you're able – That's that is a way that it seems to me that's a way you could actually demonstrate progress by showing, hey, the list of things this could be is getting smaller and smaller. We're making progress. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you, you, people – a lot of people, you know, uh, work on this all the time and uh, they don't – they don't get a lot of credit for it. But, you know, I think it's – I think that's a – it's a great – skill and an attribute to have no matter what you do in life, I think. Well, this is, uh, I feel smarter already, which I've come to find usually happens every time I talk to you. I feel smarter when we're done. <laughs> I really do. This is working out well for me. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad somebody, somebody feels that way. <laughs>
So you're saying you don't feel smarter after talking to me? Oh. <laughs> you should at least feel more more proud because you were able to teach something. You passed on some knowledge to me, the younger oh, generation. Right, yeah. <laughs> the younger yeah. generation. Oh, I'm funny. Okay, so, uh, Hunter, uh, it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you, my friend. And as always, Hunter Gabbard is a Ph.D. candidate at the University of Glasgow, and he is a member of and a researcher for the LIGO Scientific Collaboration, finding all kinds of interesting things and proving that some other interesting things aren't the things that we thought they were every day. Hunter, thanks so much for it, man. I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Sean. It was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.